Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Christine Geshom sharing the word with us today as we continue our series called Run to Win. She shares with us the secret sauce behind winning in the race of life. Hebrews 12 tells us that we need to build endurance just like Jesus did in order to finish well. Are you prepared to endure and come through life stronger than ever before? Hi church what a joy and privilege it is to share God's word with you today as you know we've been doing this series called run to win and it's how um how each of us believers in Jesus are running this race of life and i believe that each of us are called to win and what we're going to be looking at today i believe personally i believe that this is the secret sauce on how to win not just to run um not just to run aimlessly but to actually win and so today we're going to be looking at endurance and if you are someone who's into fitness you will know what endurance training is really about it's basically doing cardio exercises like swimming or running walking and it's how you actually build the stamina of your body and how it's for the long run it's not just a temporary thing which will help you in your fitness for this week but what you do as endurance actually trains you for the long run so you have a better muscle tone over a long period of time you have better health over a long period of time that's what endurance training looks like in the world of fitness but what does endurance look like to followers of Jesus that's what we're going to be looking at today and as you know we've been doing the series for over 5 weeks now and this is what we've been looking at we first looked at how um we need to run our own races we need to own it we can't compare with anyone we can't get complacent we looked at then how to strengthen our core because our foundation our convictions are so important and then we looked at how we need to train our mind strictly um that you know we need to be careful about what we allow in and how we need to take away things that are junk and, and just don't mean any good for us And then we looked last week at what we feed our soul. We looked at how we need to assimilate more of God and eliminate the toxins of sin in our life. And today we're going to be looking at the same passage we looked at last week. We looked at Hebrews chapter 12. We looked at verses 1 and 2 last week. We're going to continue reading from there. We're going to read right up to 13. So as we read the word of God, can I ask that you will invite the Holy Spirit in that he will speak to you from his word. This is inspired by him. And I pray that each of you will experience a revelation today of what God wants to speak to you. So as we get into the word of God, let's read Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of god consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son it says my son Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. 
endure hardship as discipline god is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline then you are not legitimate not true sons and daughters at all moreover we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it how much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best but god disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed i know it seems like a long passage but it's really impossible to separate these parts without seeing how each part builds into the other it's so important to understand first of all what is endurance you're saying okay you're talking about endurance you're saying it's a secret sauce what is endurance endurance translates the ancient greek word called hupomone which basically means steadfastness constancy and endurance that's what it is endurance means steadfastness constancy in the new testament context it actually talks about a man or a woman who in the middle of a midst of great suffering trials and temptation stands steadfast with deliberate purpose and a loyalty to their faith that's what it actually uh, is being defined that's what endurance is defined as and so to make it easier for us endurance is really not a momentary occurrence it's not just something for the moment but it's a long term lifestyle that every christian has to adopt we need to have endurance built into our lifestyles it cannot be something we just feel on and off so why must we endure when you look at this passage we see there are two reasons why we need to really endure why must i endure you might ask me christine but why should i endure is it necessary first of all we have to endure because jesus endured when we looked at verses 2 and 3 this is what it says for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame sat down at the right hand of the throne of god and it also says consider him who endured such opposition from sinners we need to endure because jesus endured he is our role model he is the one we look to the second reason we need to endure is because of the reward promised to those who endure what is this promise you find it in different epistles james writes about it paul writes about it james says this Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him crown of life that's a reward another reward that Paul talks about when he writes to the Romans he says i consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us that's the promise and that's why we must endure we have eternal life we have glory being revealed in us we have a crown of life that is going to be entrusted to us isn't that amazing that's the reason that's the perk in enduring but why is it hard to endure practically speaking why is it so hard because life happens because there are struggles there are hardships there are setbacks and inevitably we get weary and faint hearted like the author writes He says in your struggle against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood look at the words there your struggle with sin how many of you can honestly say i struggle with sin 
all of us every single one of us none of us are above it and the struggle is real and that's why endurance is hard because as i'm enduring or trying to endure something i end up getting exhausted i'm like lord why me how much longer is there any way out of this lord or we just get purely faint hearted my heart gets weak i can't do this anymore we say that's why it's hard to endure the, the struggle is real life gets hard but what are we called to endure what is it that we are required to endure so we live in times when life is actually hard like i said and hardships and things beset us and all of these put together are what we call suffering that's what suffering is a lot of us don't like that word it's an s word it's a bad word we don't like that word there are two contrary views and they're almost like at opposite end of ends of the spectrum on suffering one view is that suffering is not of christ and christians should not suffer i mean don't talk about suffering if you talk about suffering there's something off i'm going to pretend i can't see you there's another view which says suffering is my lot in life it's written in the stars for me i'm have to just travel through life i need to you know be burdened for the rest of my life and i will tell you all about my suffering if you ever catch me two views the problem is this a gospel that completely ignores suffering is no gospel at all but a go- gospel that magnifies only suffering that says you know only suffering is important to the exclusion of everything else is a partial gospel it's not a complete gospel the truth is this that suffering is good can you imagine that suffering is good suffering brings something good out of it it's not wasted it's never wasted if you look at verse 5 we understand this a bit more verse 5 in hebrews 12 it says have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son it says my son do not make light of the lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you you see those two views getting addressed here don't take it lightly when god corrects us when he uses suffering to shape us don't wish it away don't say you know what i cannot be bothered i am going to pretend that you know i'm going to think positive thoughts i'm going to think happy thoughts and i'm going to soar above it no don't take it make don't make light of it the second thing he says don't lose heart don't say this is my forever status don't think this is my lot i'm going to suffer for the all the live long day this i'm going to tell you all that i've suffered all that i'm suffering both of these views are very extreme he says don't make light don't lose heart and here's here's the clincher every child of god is trained by their heavenly father in and through trial and hardship not one of us is exempt reason be he loves us he cherishes us he wants to see us grow and think about it like this you know just to think about it in a very practical way i remember there was a season when i had back problems and i couldn't do much working out so i had to get these kind of light weights they're just about 0.75 grams really light pretty useless in you know building strength but when you have an injury they ask you to just use light weights like this to tone your muscles now that i'm i have no back aches i don't have issues like that imagine if i try working out constantly with this it's not going to do any good it probably just looks nice but it's not going to do any good for me so as i get fitter as i get stronger as i want to tone my muscles more and build it more i need to switch my weights up this is what suffering looks like if i didn't have suffering if i didn't have hardship if i didn't have setbacks 
I'll be very content with where I'm at and there will be no spiritual growth. There will be no tightening up of the weak areas of my life. God needs to step it up for me. He needs to say, hey, you know what, Christine, you've been complacent for too long. I want you to get ready to run the next part of your race and you need new energy. You need more muscles. And so here's this bit of opposition. Deal with it. Let's see how you, you cope. And when you when you hear me, you're probably saying, but doesn't that sound like, you know, like God's poking fun at me? Doesn't he sound vindictive? Doesn't he sound petty? Let me look back at the word because that has our answers for this. Does a good God allow bad things to happen? What is Where is God when suffering touches me? How do you look at suffering? What is it that our perspective on suffering should look like? How, how should it look? Trials and hardships are meant to build us up. They are not meant to tear us down. They are done by a loving God, a loving heavenly father. So you might ask me, rightly so, what right does God have to discipline me? Who is he to me? Well, he is your heavenly father. Whether you've had an earthly father who disciplined you or not, whether you, maybe you had an absentee father, so you don't know what this looks like, or maybe you had a father who was exceedingly harsh with you. So yes, you might not have the correct view of this, but whoever the author of this book was, they said, they assumed that all of us knew what that looked like. And he says, he corrects you like a father would correct his children. And look at the words that he uses. He says, the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Don't you and I want to be loved unconditionally? Don't you and I want to be accepted without any kind of criteria? That's what God does for us. That is who God is. He loves us, accepts us. And the byproduct of that loving acceptance is getting disciplined when needed. Kids, you know, our children, when sometimes I have to correct them, when I have to um, give them a timeout or a spanking, the the question will come up. You know, when things have calmed down, about an hour later, they'll ask me, why did you correct me? Why did you say that? Why did you make me, you know, repay that, you know, that the particular thing I did wrong? And when I say I love you and it's my duty as your parent to correct you so that you don't do foolish things when you grow up and you go out. And when I, when I give them that rationale, it doesn't make sense to them. They say... You love us, so you correct us. Doesn't make sense. And so a lot of times we as adults become that way. We say, Lord, how can you correct me? How can you allow this in my life? I'm doing everything right to my knowledge. Why are you correcting me? But I remember what the prophets say. Can the pot say to its potter, why have you made me this way? Can the clay say to its maker, why have you made me this way? We don't get to ask those things, but we get to trust that he's a loving God. He accepts me. And out of that love, he corrects me. Out of that love, he disciplines me. That's where we need to come. So what does discipline look like? This word, this whole, you know, the quotation that comes in this verse is from Proverbs chapter 3, where um, Solomon writes instructions of how a father corrects his son. And so God corrects his children whom he loves. That's where it's quoted from. When you look at that, you understand that discipline actually has a threefold effect. It's training, it's correction, and it's instruction. It's not just slapping a person up. No, that's not discipline. It's it's God instructing us through his word. It's correcting us through people sometimes, correcting us through our situations. It's training us up. It's training us up. That's the intonation. That's the connotation I want to leave with you today. Discipline. Don't look at it as a mean God. 
correcting me for what I'm doing. No, look at it as a kind, loving father training me up so that I'll be the best, so that I can do more, so that I can be more, so that I can be all that he created me to be. That's what discipline is for. That's what endurance is being built for. What are some of the hardships you have gone through? I'm sure each of you, if I were to give you time, if I was with you right now, I would open this up for you to talk back to me. What are some of the hardships you have endured? I, When I was just sitting and working on this, I just realized there's so many hard seasons for each of us. No, no two persons suffering is the same. No two persons struggles are the same. Maybe you've been going through a wilderness season or you've gone through a wilderness season, a dry patch. You've been lonely. You've been all alone. You felt abandoned. Maybe you've gone through a mountainous season where you felt like there was obstacles at every turn. You felt like the terrain was too rough for your ankles and feet to hold you up. Maybe there were uphill struggles for everything. Maybe you've been through a furnace. The furnace seasons are hard because you feel like you're put in the fire where there's no relief in sight. One bad thing after the other. Or maybe you feel like you're left alone on the high seas. Stormy gales hitting you. Hurricane level winds tossing you around. Winds of change whipping about you. What does the season look like for you? This season. What are the seasons that you've walked through before? What have they looked like? If you're like us, I can easily say that we have walked through every one of these seasons at different points of our lives. And when I was sitting back to look at this, and as I was penning this down, the Holy Spirit reminded me of what he taught me in every season. There were seasons of loss. There were seasons of grief. There were seasons of pain. There were seasons of abandonment, seasons of obscurity. And the beautiful thing is, as I was writing this, he reminded me of just the beautiful things he taught us out of every season. No season was wasted. At the time when you're going through the season, it just feels like, Lord, there's no relief. But when you come through it and you're on the other side, when you look back, sometimes it's maybe a year after, he reminds you of what he did in you, of what he did through you, of what he did with you in that time. I remember that some of the lessons that I learned were needing to stay humble. The minute pride took root in my life, I needed a bit of correction. I felt like I needed to be in charge of my life and God showed me exactly who was in charge. He said, I'm in charge, not you. There were times when I was so weak physically and he showed me that he was strong in me, even in my greatest weakness. There was times when I had taken things for granted in my life and he had to remind me that I needed to value every minute. I needed to value everyone around me. What were the lessons you learned when you went through that suffering? What were the lessons that you learned when you walked through those seasons? It could have been a wilderness. It could have been a mountain. It could have been a furnace. It could have been a sea, open and windy and just taking you under. Maybe you felt like you were drowning. What were the lessons that you learned? Verses 10 and 11 of that of Hebrews 12 say this, God disciplines us for good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Look at that. Great benefits come out of enduring suffering. Great benefits come out of enduring hardship. We share in God's holiness, first of all. What does that look like? I mean, I know growing up, we, we were in a Christian school in Bangalore and 
someone or the other would get labeled every year as being very holy or holier than thou or holy joe or jane and so holiness is just a word we all try to avoid but here he's saying suffering when you endure it enables you to share in god's holiness what does that look like have you noticed that when you come through suffering when you're on the other side you're much more patient you're much more kind you're so much more loving towards people and towards yourself to you give yourself a longer rope isn't that a glimpse of who god is isn't that a glimpse of the holiness of god god is so compassionate god is so kind god is so loving god is so steadfast and suffering sometimes brings out those little flickers of god's holiness in us that's what that looks like don't discount suffering don't discount hardship don't wish it away don't pretend you don't want you know don't want to have anything to do with it don't do that let it have its work in you the second thing that it does is that it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness it bears fruit suffering causes fruit formation if you've ever doubted it think about it like this what is the fruit of righteousness those of us who know jesus we have accepted him as lord and savior we are clothed with the righteousness of christ he is our righteousness on our own our righteousness is like filthy rags but he clothes us with his righteousness so when i stand before god i'm righteous but when i endure those furnaces when i endure the wilderness fruit of that righteousness the fruit of jesus dwelling in me starts to get born and people start to see you know what she's so long suffering she's so patient she's so persevering she's so filled with faith that's the fruit people start to see it the amplified says this the fruit of righteousness they explain it to say this is a right standing with god and a lifestyle and attitude that seeks conformity to god's will and purpose you know when we live conform to god's will and purpose people around us will see it and they will taste the fruit of righteousness in your life that's what it looks like so i want to ask you again what were some of the lessons that you learned when you finished this service today can i urge you to spend some time in solitude and ask god lord i'm going through this season right now which feels terrible but what is it you want to work in me what are you teaching me lord what is it you want to show me so of course now you would ask me so how do i practically run with endurance you said it's the secret sauce that's what is you know destined to make me win so how do i run with endurance and so we come to the last two verses of this chapter and it says therefore strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed and on first glance this doesn't look like a great passage i mean looking at it and you're like oh you know poor person someone's really weak and tired and exhausted and probably shaky all over but you look at that deeper there is so much there that we need to take for our lives each of us can run this race to win when we endure and how do we endure how do i practically practice endurance that's the question today and the first thing i believe that we need to do is we need to admit our areas of weakness what does that look like you look at that verse it says therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees and if i have to ask you um hey how would you describe your arms even the most prosperous looking of us would say well i have strong arms i have well maybe chunky arms but they're really strong they've carried my children they carry you know a 25 liter water can so my arms are great 
or maybe even the person who has some knee issues we tend to hide that you know with with our clothing we hide our limbs we're not going to say that we have frail knees or weak arms but this is a very harsh but honest assessment of the body parts of people he says strengthen your feeble arms strengthen your weak knees and i believe when we look at that we need to look at ourselves and admit our areas of weakness i remember this uh, time when uh, calvin was about 4 uh, our youngest son and he was he he kind of took to everything a bit later than his siblings so his older two siblings were reading really well they were reading big novels and this guy had still not got the you know the uh, how to really read he didn't know how to do it and to top it all friends in his online classes were reading you know the, the girls were just reading stories after stories they were so fluent and so he had a huge complex and so what he started doing was he wanted to be on par with at least his siblings if not his classmates so he would take books out of the kids library at home and he would just open it up sometimes even upside down and he would start pretending to read just to impress all of us at home and the funny thing was sometimes he would open an encyclopedia and then he'll start reading it out loud and say once upon a time and we didn't know how to tell him that son you need to it's okay that you can't read but he had such a hard time admitting that that was a weakness he couldn't tell us that i can't read mom and i'm okay with that he couldn't come to that place and so there was a lot of denial now thank god he can read and he's able to read the books in his library but that was a weird season for him weird season for us as well because living in denial doesn't help anyone each of us need to admit our weakness hey you know what i'm weak in this area i shoot my mouth off i cannot shut my mouth if i hear a bit of gossip i need to pass it on hey you know what i tend to look at other people's husbands or wives in a lustful way oh you know i i send those text messages waiting to hear back from that person who i know is not good for me i have a weakness for alcohol do we say those things and here's here's the truth we don't you don't need to admit anything to me you don't need to admit it to your past or anyone you need to admit it to yourself because in that honest conversation that you have with yourself your god is so pleased with that he loves it when we say lord this is who i am i'm struggling i am weak in this area admitting our weakness is the first stage to actually running with endurance it's the first stage before endurance comes into play we are human we are frail we are weak we are prone to slip we are foolish and therefore it's good to admit our weakness it's good to say lord this is who i am what is your weakness i mentioned a couple out there can you honestly be honest with yourself and say this is who i am i have a weakness i need help that's the first stage denial will cause injury not just to you to someone else as well it will slow you down if you don't admit that you're weak if you don't admit that hey you know what this part of my life is off it will slow you down in the race it may even disqualify you first stage admit your area of weakness the second thing that we need to do is ask god to strengthen us in those areas we cannot do this on our own you know that thing it says strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees and i realize that as i get older that will power is so useless sometimes 
I can wish that I control my tongue. I can wish that I don't look in that direction. I can wish or will that I will not take my phone and send that scathing reply to someone via email. But it is only God who helps me work that out. It's only God who addresses that weakness and helps me strengthen that up. I can't do it on my own. Willpower can only do so much. Positive thinking can only do so much. Switching off my phone can only do so much. I need God's divine help to actually strengthen those weak spots. And then there's an interesting thing about this strengthening process. It's not as easy as it sounds. Sometimes you just think it's a straightforward thing. Lord, strengthen me. Great, now I'll get on with my life. But God takes us on a process. That process of strengthening doesn't happen easily because first God stretches us and then he strengthens us. Strengthening doesn't happen directly. Let me give you an example of that. A couple of years back, I had started praying this for Geshom and I started saying, Lord, uh, make him a man of faith, make him a man of courage so that he will do mighty exploits for you. But that was my prayer for about six months, seven months later. I'd been praying this for six months, the seventh month, I felt terribly ill. And I watched that prayer get answered in Geshon's life. I watched him rise up as a man of faith. I watched him with courage lead our family. Stretching happens before the strengthening. Does it mean I'm, I'm not scaring you? You should ask God for the big things. But that stretching is so good. It bring, builds endurance into us. Remember what we talked about suffering? That it's a good thing. It bears fruit. And so your endurance is built through the strengthening process. Don't be surprised if it takes longer than you expected. Don't be surprised if it exposes pain points in your life, but it's going to get better because God is in it. When God is in it, there's good that's going to come out of it. So that's the second thing. Remember this. Ask God to strengthen you and stretching happens before the strengthening. The third thing is avoid falling into temptation. Now, this is, this is a very important, it's like the clincher here. You know, so often we say, Lord, this is my weakness, help me. And then we go back into an old rhythm of turning up at the same places, hanging out with the same people, looking at the same apps, transferring the same amount of money and nothing has changed. But God is saying, you need to avoid temptation. You need to avoid falling into temptation. What does it say there? It says over there, make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled. Each of us are lame in some way. And I'm not saying this to insult any of us. We, you know, it's a genuine thing. Each of us, we have areas where, which could easily cripple us, which could easily trip us up. And he's saying, make straight the paths. You know, where you're walking, don't fall into a ditch. Don't twist your ankle in that space. And how do we do that? Flee from evil. You remember what Joseph did when he encountered Potiphar's wife's seduction, he turned and ran for the hills. That's the requirement. Run from temptation. Flee from it. Don't try to flirt with it and think, you know, I can beat it because now I've asked God. No, we need to practically take steps. And so the next stage is actually moving in a direction towards where God is pointing us and away from what was holding us back. How do you actually avoid practically falling into temptation? Have you been trying to beat gluttony? Well, then you may need to stop going for those group dinners at those big buffet places. Maybe you've been trying to meet an online addiction. Maybe you've been on a dating app, which has been taking you into dark places. 
time to delete the app unsubscribe maybe you've been just shaming people on social media maybe you've been gaslighting someone in your life maybe it's time you stopped talking for some time maybe it's time you close down all those chat boxes where you use an a hidden identity to shame someone maybe you've been dealing with thoughts of an extramarital affair what if you stopped hanging out with those people who are triggering that who are pulling you into that area of temptation what is it that has been like that lure like that bait what if you said no more what if you stopped hanging out in that place what if you're trying to beat a narcotic addiction or alcohol addiction maybe you need to stop hanging out with those people who are always high who are always smoking up you need to avoid falling into temptation because it's real like we said we saw there it's a struggle against sin it's not easy no one promised it was going to be easy you need to close the door on those old things and follow jesus wholeheartedly if you want him to actually strengthen you the fourth thing is that we need to acknowledge our healing if you look at that verse this is what it says so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed that's our destination that's our destination you know we live in a time where people are using social media platforms in um other spaces where they declare to the world you know i'm i was traumatized i was abused i'm broken and and this and that and it's great because you know those stories are powerful it stops having power over you when you actually speak out about it it actually empowers others and encourages others but i want to ask you have you stayed at that place of weakness have you set up camp there have you built a concrete house have you moved in and said this is where i'm at because my story is awesome because i connect more when i share my trauma all of that is great but as a follower of jesus that's not your destination your destination is healing your abuse was real your trauma was real your brokenness is real the barrenness is real but jesus is in the business of healing us and healing won't look like what it did to me it won't look like that for you but it will be healing nevertheless and i believe that god is moving us you know from a place of barrenness to being made fruitful he's moving you from a place of emptiness to a place of being filled he's moving you from a place of being broken to a place of being restored he's moving you from being abused and traumatized to a place of healing and wholeness that is who jesus is your story must involve both your story has to involve where you were at where jesus found you and where jesus has brought you we can't do just the one let's not for you know let's not imagine that that story has more value because this story you know the one of healing the road to recovery the road to healing is powerful it needs this component but this is very vital i remember this time when we were kids my brother and i uh, if we fell ill our mom would keep us home from school and um, so that one day we would be at home you know we'd be pampered we'll have food in you know food served to our beds we would get to be under the comforters we get to read books and just rest have a medication and then you know the plan was the next day we would go to school but that day would have been so relaxing without the stresses of school that um either one of us would have decided you know what i'm going to prolong the sickness for one more day and so we'll pretend um to be sick my mom's going to be watching this i'm probably going to have a phone call after this we would pretend to be sick for an extra day so you know towards the night um 
we would you know pretend to cough a bit and say you know i'm feeling cold my body is really aching i don't think i can go tomorrow also and you know of course a parent doesn't want to take a risk with their child's health so my mom would be like fine you can stay home one more day and so the next morning you wake up but this is the thing you're already well you're completely whole but since you said you were sick and gave this huge build up story the previous night you're confined to your bed again for the rest of the day and so the second day when you're actually able to move around and do things for yourself you're stuck in this room this time you don't get five star treatment your mom's like you know come and pick up your own food um you know sit up and start doing homework check what you missed out and so you're given you know little shoddy treatment and you're still given the benefits of being sick when in reality you're not sick you're well and i just realized that that second day would feel so claustrophobic because you're stuck in bed when you don't want to be you want to go and watch tv you cannot you want to go play with your friends you can hear them playing downstairs but you cannot all because i decided to stay in the lie that i'm still sick how many of us are so content to tell everybody this is where i'm at this is what my childhood was like this is what my parents did to me this is what my family did to me this is where i was broken and the reality is this every one of us are broken all of humanity is broken but when jesus comes in what has changed that's the story that needs to be told hey you know what this is where i was but jesus loved me too much to leave me there i'm on this jo- journey of recovery i'm on the road to recovery that's the story that needs to be told acknowledge your healing as followers of jesus we need to be quick to acknowledge our healing as we finish up today this is what i want to encourage you if you are someone who's been saying i am exhausted my endurance is at its limit i've been through this season this season and all of it has been hard can i encourage you that as we saw in hebrews 12 jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith he's the author and perfecter of our faith and the way i see it on this race of life as we accepted him into our lives he is at the beginning of that race he's also at the end because he's the perfecter of our faith he's at the end he's my goal but the beauty is that every step of the way on this race jesus is with me he's not left me for a second and when i think about that endurance becomes a bit easier doesn't it i want to encourage you to come back to this place of saying lord you're so near nearer than my breath you're right here with me i will not lose hope i will endure because i want to finish well i'm going to admit my areas of weakness can we do that right now father we are weak you know our weakness areas that we are weak in we admit it to you right now i'm just going to give you a few seconds be open with your maker tell him this is where i'm at lord i've been messing this up father we admit our weaknesses we ask that you will come in with your power that you will strengthen us every saggy spiritual muscle that you will tighten it up oh father strengthen our faith take us to the next level in our maturity take us to the next level of our relationship with you lord i pray that lord you will help us avoid temptation help us to flee from evil and pursue what is good and father i pray that we'll be loud and proud about our healing that lord we will speak out to the world of where we were and where god has brought us that we'll be unashamed to acknowledge our healing oh father we thank you we love you in jesus name i pray amen amen if you're saying 
I want Jesus. He seems like a cool guy. He was the coolest. He is God himself. And like I said, he's the author and perfecter of our faith, meaning that is it is through faith in Jesus that you are saved. All of us here are sinners, but it is through Jesus and his great sacrifice on that cross where he died for us that he won for us our salvation. Today, when you accept Jesus to be the Lord and savior of your life, you get invited into the family of God. You become part of that family and you are assured of eternal life. And so can I ask you, if you're saying, I've been struggling, there are parts of my life which are weak. I've been doing things, I've been dabbling in things which are terrible for me, I know it. I need a savior. Can I ask you to repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for creating me. I thank you for sending Jesus to earth. I accept that I'm a sinner. I accept that I need a savior. I invite Jesus to come into my heart. I pray that you will help me live a powerful life, a fulfilled life, a new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. What a blessing it is that you pray that prayer. And can I encourage you that you are no longer alone on your journey. You have Jesus with you every step of the way. He's going to help you. He's going to nurture you. He's going to build you up. And more importantly, you're not alone on the journey physically because you have a community of believers around the world who are now your family. So if you need to be connected with a church in your area, get in touch with us. We'd love to connect you with a church in your city, in your country. Um, if you're in Chennai, get in touch with us. We'd love to be in touch with you. And remember this more than anything, if you took anything back from today, I want to encourage each of you that you will not look at hardship as a burden, but you'd look at it as training, that you will allow God to build endurance in you and that you will come out of it stronger, that you will come out of it better. I pray that each of you will experience that, the joy that comes from walking that closely with God. Have an amazing week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.